Hello, Monique. It's so wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be on this journey with you. Yeah, yeah. And gosh, I'm, I feel like I say this for every podcast episode, but you know, this, this particular conversation I think is really important um, because, and I'm going to let you have an, you know, an opportunity to give an introduction, but as we've been thinking about the shift in this podcast and the focus of this podcast around sustainability, regenerative business and conscious business practices. And you mentioned in our brief conversation about this idea of a, the container of work, mm-hmm. which I it's, it's so funny because I refer to it in a similar way, which is you have this you have these people within this container for X amount of hours per day, how you treat that container how you nurture it uh, and the people in it is really important, not just to the business, but also to the, the people and yeah. the impact they're making. So I will stop talking. Monique, tell us about yourself and the impact that you're making on the world. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, so I'm Monique Allen. I uh, hail from Massachusetts and uh, I'm um, the founder of the Garden Continuum, which is a landscape design build firm. So we design landscapes, we build landscapes, and we maintain them, but not in the way that most people think. So we don't own lawnmowers. We're horticultural gardeners. So we dovetail really nicely with the lawn care companies that also maybe would plow snow because we have a lot of snow here. <laughs> um, uh, but we don't do that work. We are stewards of the land. We are caretakers of plants. And um, and so I have been doing that work for 37 years and I've been employing people for 34 years. Mm-hmm. And so um, I have been through decades of the shift of um, what it means to be an employer, what it means to build that container. And right now what I'm working on that is really exciting to me is both that I've developed something called the Lifescape Method for my landscape company. And when I developed it, I realized I was actually creating a method that worked for creating environments. Well, our businesses are environments. So all of a sudden, I my whole world kind of blew up and I realized that I was, I was codifying a way to manage business, to build business. And I was already business coaching at that point. And I've now been business coaching for seven years, and I I started to use this Lifescape model in business development and then just launched a really fun community called the Regenerative Business Community. And so that's really what's lighting me up right now, what I'm working on right now. And it's honestly, it's about as an owner <clears throat> committing to self-exploration hmm. so that you can manage your business with discernment so that you can actually choose ease over struggle. Um, And that's not just for the owner. That's then the owner builds a container that is that same built with that same energy and then invites people in who are interested in that energy and then cultivates that energy. And so I spent the first three decades of my life being a gardener of plants and horticulture. And now I'm a gardener of people. (laughs) I love that. And Gosh, I I just see so many parallels because, you know, my background is in uh, culture, organizational culture, workplace culture. And so I always describe culture as something you always have to tend to, right? Mm -hmm. It is like a garden. It is like an ecosystem that you just don't plant 
plant plant the ecosystem or create the ecosystem and leave it there, right? You got to mm-hmm. water it. You got to make sure the environment is right. So for those who haven't, uh, haven't, haven't had any experience with regenerative business practice, practices or what that even means, can you give us a little bit of um, a baseline of what you mean by that? And then I'd love to get into your methodology and understand how others can start to think about it that way. Absolutely. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use an example because everybody can intuitively as well as just visually, we can, when I say garden, you know what I'm talking about. So whether you are growing, let's say tomatoes and basil, or you're just growing beautiful flowers, right? A garden is an ecosystem and we don't want that ecosystem to be so weak that we have to kind of micromanage it. We have to be on it all the time. Instead, we want to think about a garden as a Kickstarter campaign. And basically what we're doing is we're making sure that all of the resources that are necessary are there for the garden. And then you will, like you said, nurture and tend that garden so that you get the best blossoms, you get the best tomatoes, you get the best basil. And you want it not just to look good. You want it to taste good. You don't want it to just look good. You want it to smell good. So you realize that there are these kind of like outwardly things, like the things you can post on Instagram, but then there's what's truly on your plate that you're eating or in your house that you're really seeing and smelling. It is not that much different for a business. We can say that we're going to set this container, but if you set that container and walk away and you just put anything in it, it's going to, it's going to erode. Now it might not erode to something bad, but it may erode from what you set up to something negative. So you can set a culture as an owner and you should, you should be very, very clear of your values, your mission, the impact that you want to have in the world and the type of company you want to run, because ultimately for the owner, it is your lifestyle. But to think that you are the one who is going to drive culture is to totally fool yourself. We have 25 employees and most of them are outside. And so I can't oversee, I can't micromanage and nor would I want to. So the key really is to build that container, be very clear about the the values, the mission, the purpose, all of those things, and then attract people who are craving that. Mm -hmm. So that in the regenerative sense, what we're saying with regeneration is that things get damaged. And if they get damaged in the environment, we try to fix them, but we don't want to just slap a fix on, right? That's just an applique. When you do regenerative work, Basically, what you're doing is like that Kickstarter campaign. You're putting the resources out there that can be used by all of the organisms, let's say, in the soil and in the environment. So that garden begins to flourish on its own. And then you come in and tend. In a business environment, you're making sure that your organizational charts, your rules and responsibilities, your standard operating procedures, your standard behavioral procedures are very clear so that you can attract the people who will use those resources and they will be the true purveyors of your culture. Yes. And, you know, I also think about the opposite of this, which is, you know, weeds, right? (laughs) When you have a garden and there is a weed that crops up and, you know, I I do a lot of work with um, leadership because, you know, leadership is a mirror of culture, really. Mm -hmm. And so... When I think about a um, an executive or anybody within the the ecosystem within within the organization who is not living the values, for example, or is 
completely counterculture behaviorally to what we're looking to build, that one weed can start to spread um, for the rest of the ecosystem. So what are your thoughts on, what are your thoughts on that? And how do we make sure those weeds are pulled uh, that we, we equally think about people's technical skill sets. A lot of those people are like really good at their jobs, right? And mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. and then someone's like, "Well, we can't get rid of so and so because he's the greatest sales guy and makes us all the money, but he's an arrogant asshole who leaves dead bodies behind, right?" Right. So right. Right. How do you how do you deal with that kind of in your methodology and your system that you've created? Yeah, that's such a good question, and um, and so I'm gonna I'm going to be respectful of the time we have and, and try not to go into the weeds, <laughs> talking about the weeds. <laughs> yes. But um, but I will say this one kind of fun thing. So when uh, weeds are left unattended in a garden, uh, all plants seed, right? So And most weeds are annuals, not all of them, uh, which means they come and they die every year. But in order for them to stay present, they throw, they cast lots of seeds. Mm. So the analogy of weed is actually brilliant that you bring it up because it's not just the person themselves and their behavior. It's all of the seeds of um, disgruntledness or um, going against policy or whatever that gets spread. And it can, in fact, infect the whole ecosystem and good people can go bad because of that allowance. So I would say the very first thing for owners is when they see something like that, they have to address it. And I think one of the things that is so, so difficult for owners and and even for managers um, who are moving into leadership Mm -hmm. is that not understanding the difference between managing and leading, and there is definitely a difference, and then being so fearful of confrontation that rather than confront it, we will take that terrible asshole that leaves dead bodies and pick them up and move them to another department yes. so that another they're not part of the ecosystem. That, right. So so they just you just move them and we've seen that, gosh, we've seen that in you know government, we've seen that in the church, we've seen that like, oh, it doesn't work. So I think the best possible way to get to to manage it, because this is going to happen. We can't, we can say that we can interview and filter and attract and do all of these things and you can get much better at it. I'm definitely much better at it, but, but because business is the way it is, you should be prepared that it will happen. So the key is to build the skill. What do you do when it happens? And I think the very first thing is learning about non-confrontational confrontation, where you can actually be a human being that approaches another human being and you practice the way to have what Brené Brown calls rumbles. Mm-hmm. So if you can normalize things like, gosh, I have to, I have to say something. It's going to feel a little bit like a rumble, but um, I think it'll be really positive if you, you and I can have a constructive conversation about this. I teach my managers all the time, especially the ones that are moving into leadership. Preamble is important. You mm-hmm. must set the stage, otherwise you're yes. blindsiding. And even an asshole deserves a preamble. Um, because you know what? They probably aren't really as bad a person as you think. They are doing what they can with the tools they have. So part of our job is to help them evolve and grow or pull the weed. Right. Yeah. And I think it gets back to this idea <clears throat> of the system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which we're not talking, I mean, we are talking about individuals because I think we have to treat everybody as individual human beings with aspirations and motivations 
but the the system you create will either reinforce more weeds, right? Or it will it will create um it will create systems of accountability. It will create systems of getting getting to the pulling of the weeds faster. Um, but sometimes, like you said, the, that person might be operating a system that's not setting them up for success. So yeah. understanding where they're coming from and knowing when the threshold is to say, look, we've given you an opportunity. We've coached you. We've developed you. We've we've given you the feedback. Nothing's changed. And so right. maybe maybe it's best for both of us to go our separate ways um, and pulling the, the weed at that point. Yeah. And and I think a part of that, too, is we talk a lot about destigmatizing separation. So um, when Mm -hmm. building the container, a big part of what I've done is, um, you know, when we think about like an old thought process of, you know, you come to work here, you're going to work here forever, you know, Ford, IBM, GM, like things. That's not the case. Uh, So we have to go into it with a really different mindset. And so whenever I'm interviewing, I say to the person, so my belief about all of the engagement in roles within a company is that there's a reason, there's a season, or there's a lifetime of engagement. Mm. And so I'd like to know what is the reason that you would like to work here? Because right now that's all we can talk about. So you want to identify the reason that somebody wants to work here. And then what you want to identify is the smallest possible season that you would accept hiring that person. So um, in my business, because uh, outside work can create a lot of revolving door activity because it is hard work and not everybody can handle it for a long time. And so uh, we created internships, which are 90 days. We have a 90-day orientation period for people who are expecting to work longer. But what we're doing is we're setting up their separation in advance, saying that these are acceptable ways within our company to separate from working together. And we talk about that before we hire them as a way to help them to say that you are not a bad person. If 90 days in, you don't think this is the right place for you. And we will talk with you at 30 days, at 60 days, at 90 days, because we're going to keep trying to determine whether this is the right place for you. And when we see culture mismatch, we're going to work with you early on. That way you can say at 90 days, wow, I've learned so much just in 90 days and I completely understand how I need to operate to work here and I love it and I'm in. Or I see it, I don't love it, I don't particularly want, I don't want to change, I'm I'm not going to do it. So I think if we can destigmatize separation right at the beginning and also, you know, and also destigmatize the, the fact that the working career is very, very small at, at yes. companies now that um, now you can be surprised and delighted when somebody has worked three full years or four full years or, you know, does a mid-year review. And and we just did all of our mid-year reviews. And one of the questions is, you know, what percentage, uh, what, what percentage would you give uh, that you're staying? And mm-hmm. we give them really good outs. And, um, and so far, everybody, knock on wood, has said, you know, they're 90 to 100% here. And that feels that feels great, but it's no longer, it's, it wouldn't be bad if they said, you know, I'm kind of around 60 to 70% right now. I'm realizing like I'm winding down and you respect that person. And maybe I could even say, do you need a letter of recommendation? What are you thinking Mm -hmm. of? How can we help you move on? That builds not only credibility for your company, but it builds such goodwill. And I think that we need more of that. 
and psychological safety too. I think that's the other yes. piece, which is it creates an opening for a conversation. Mm, love that. Yeah. And talking about re- being regenerative, I think we talked early on about um, re- being regenerative, but also resilient. So if you know that the, the tides of work are changing, right? People are not staying at companies for 10, 20, 30 years. They're chasing experiences and things that are going to, in their season, uh, contribute to their values and to the impact they're making on the world. So if you know that, creating a system for being giving the organization resiliency to work through that reality is really what you're talking about. So, and you're also creating safe spaces for people to speak up and to give time to, because I, I consider it a partnership now. I think there's no more employer-employee relationship and the employer's up here and the employee's down here. It is a partnership. You are coming to work for me. I am utilizing your talents and I am giving you something as an organization. It's regenerative. It's symbiotic, right? Just mm-hmm. like it happens in nature. Um, so I could, oh my gosh, I could talk about this topic. We probably have to do a whole nother episode (laughs) because I feel like there's so much to unpack, but I do want to, I mean, we've talked about a lot of great things today. We talked about, um, this idea of connection between, uh, horticulture and culture, right? Workplace culture, which I love. And this idea of creating resilience through regenerative business practices and conscious business practices. This is not just about making money, um, hitting a number. This is creating the, the, the rich soil that the organization needs to thrive and the people need to thrive. So like I said, I, we definitely need to have you back on the podcast, (laughs) but tell us more about one, where people can find you. Uh, and then two, how people can join the community and purchase your book, which I know has a lot of uh, more meat and information about what it means to be a regenerative regenerative business and what that looks like. Yeah, sure. So first off, the book is not about business. The book is actually about building a landscape. Um, so the next book, the one that I'm working on, is about the lifescape method and business. So the first book is really all landscape, um, but all the concepts are in there. I yeah. mean, it is it is absolutely a process and a system, not a project. That's how we just like a business isn't a project; it's a process and a and a, and a mm-hmm. living system. Yes. Um, so my happy place is uh, is Instagram. And uh, I have uh, lots of videos on there about cultivating joy on our entrepreneurial journey. Um, And so I post on there all the time really about joy. And I'm very connected to the joy experience. I think it's really, really important. We're going to ebb and flow. We're going to have good days and bad days. If he's happy, we're going to be sad. But we can be all of those things and have a foundation of joy. Mm -hmm. And so that is really the, um, that is the foundational purpose of the regenerative business community. I will be talking about that and pitching it on that. Uh, It starts really soon. Um, Middle of August, I will start pitching for our September group. And um, the groups run six to 12 months, depending on the group. And we meet every other week and we are going over business practices. We're going over, it's really about the owner. It's about the owner being able to build their own personal agency. It's about being able to go within and self-explore so that we can show up clearer, stronger, and more resilient in the workplace. 
Um, we talk about money a lot because it's a really, really important part about business. And we're trying to destigmatize the dirty aspect of money, um, uh, which just doesn't belong. And we, and so we do a lot of work with money as energy and, um, and it's, it's just really wonderful. They're all small cohorts. So uh, the, my launch cohort was just seven people and me eight. So it's wonderful. You get to know people and it's a really good community. The um, type of business that we're looking for right now is we're really looking for trade professionals mostly. So anyone in any of the service trades, because we all deal with very, very similar employment problems, very, very similar um industry problems. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's, so trade professionals, so builders, landscapers, plumbers, anybody in the trade professions and very, very important and designers, lots of designers, very important, eco-minded. So yes. anyone in this group has to be an eco-minded person, somebody who's very interested in triple bottom line business, which means people, mm-hmm. planet profits. These three things are deeply, deeply tethered. We do not do one without the other. And so that is the real crux of the regenerative business community. And I'm very excited to say that I hope at the end of September, maybe beginning of October, I will be launching a new website called The Lifescape Coach, which is where all this stuff will live. Um, Right now, it still lives on the garden continuum. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, we will make sure to include all those links in the show notes. So if you're listening to this, check out the show notes. Anything perked your ears up, uh, make sure to reach out to Monique and Monique, thank you so much for your time and your insights. It was was really, really great. And I think you were totally right. We could just keep talking about this. I love what you're trying to do. I love the idea of social responsibility at work. It's so deep. It's so big. So um, thanks a lot for having me. 